All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. In case you had any doubt that America runs on streaming entertainment, at least right now, check out the news from Netflix. The company announced this week it had added almost 16 million subscribers worldwide in the first three months of this year. It was its best quarter ever. And yes, they do believe it was largely due to the pandemic. And among the biggest hits, of course, Tiger King and the series Love is Blind, but also some great documentary programming like The Innocence Files. While the numbers were eye-popping, it's hardly news to team all of it. Pretty much every week during the pandemic stay-at-home period, we've asked our colleague Ben Yakis, Gothamist culture editor, to give us some streaming recommendations. We call it Binging with Ben. Ben is back, and listeners, we're going to turn the tables a bit. We want to hear what you're watching, what you think we'd all like to binge. We'll take your calls at 646 646- Four three five seven two eight zero. That is six four six four three five seven two eight zero. You can also reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at all of it WNYC. And truly, we will not judge. Guilty pleasures are welcome. We just want to know what you're into. Ben, welcome back. Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay. So during this time of social distancing, we've talked about classic comedies with you, postmodern westerns, and this week the theme is underappreciated shows. So in in Ben's world, what qualifies Mm -hmm. as an underappreciated show? Why are these shows often unappreciated at the time? Um, Thank you for qualifying it with that because I like to think about Ben's world as well. Um, (laughs) These are shows that, you know, they have not been recognized with much or any awards. Uh, You know, you don't see them popping up at the Golden Globes and the Emmys very much. They're shows that did not have big ratings while they were on air, and they're often shows that have grown in stature in the years after they've been off air. Interesting. Why does that usually happen, that people recognize it after the fact? Yeah, so, you know, one thing you see with some of these shows is that there actually is, you know, bad marketing, that the teams who are behind them initially, they're not really sure how exactly to explain to people what the shows are about. If you think of a show like Terriers, I don't know if anyone out there has seen this show, it's a fantastic show on FX almost a decade ago now about detectives in California, and it was a mix of sort of uh, film noir uh, like, you know, police procedural, and then also the sort of California stoner kind of vibe. And they just did not have any idea what to name the show or how exactly to get across to people what it was about. Now, the other thing is that there are some shows that are just ahead of their time, whether in terms of subject matter or in terms of the way in which they're telling the story. And you can think of The Wire in this sense. Mm-hmm. When The Wire was on air, I think it, it had two... Uh, Emmy nominations for writing over the course of five years. And it was always the runt of the HBO litter. Never had the ratings or the water cooler appeal of uh, The Sopranos or Six Feet Under or one of the other Sex Sex in the City, one of the giants that they had. But in the years since, The Wire has now become the HBO show that everyone's talking about, everyone's rewatching. 
and it has only proven to be more influential in the way in which it told its story, which is in a novelistic approach, which back then was, was very new, and now we're all used to it. This is how we watch a lot of our television. My guest is Ben Yakis, culture editor at Gothamist. We're talking about things that we can binge this weekend. If there's something that you've been watching that you really love and you want to recommend it to Team All of It, we'd love to hear from you. 646-435-7280-646-435-7280. Or you can tweet to us at All of It WNYC or send us a message via Instagram at All of It WNYC. Okay, we're going to start with, this is one of my favorite shows, I have to admit, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, we've had on Ellie Kemper and Titus Burgess on the show. Uh, I think I know why you picked it, but I'm going to let you explain <laughs> to our listeners. I think that, yeah, there's two reasons why I sort of feel this has become an under, underappreciated show. One is that it was made by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, and this was their big follow-up to 30 Rock. So I think for a lot of people, this has always existed a little bit in the shadow of 30 Rock. It has an incredibly similar joke uh, style and ratio. You know, they have something like 10 jokes every minute <laughs> during the show, so it's very fast, very rewatchable as a result. But I think for some people, it, it's almost too fast. And now the other aspect of it is that it has a really dark sort of central premise. And I think that turned off some people, or some people were not really able to get over that hump to get to the sort of silly jokes that sort of made up the bulk of the show. So tell people the premise and why it's it's <laughs> it's interesting for this moment. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's about a, a young woman, a 29-year-old woman who is rescued from a doomsday cult. She and three other women were held in the a sub-basement by a character played by John Hamm for uh, many years. And it's about her escaping, moving to New York, and kind of learning how to sort of be an adult and getting back in touch with uh, other human beings. And, you know, Ellie Kemper is the main character, and she's so wonderful as a character. And she plays a very optimistic, very lighthearted character who is just trying to move on past this incredibly traumatic event. And um, it's a really remarkable balancing of tone where it, it really does not veer too dark while also dealing in some dark ideas and subject matter. Yeah, she's been she's been released from this bunker and she doesn't know what the yeah. world is like because she's missed 10 years of her life. And so and it's also a little bit of a love letter to crazy New York. You know, Carol yeah. Payne is her landlord and she's living with the roommate who's Titus Burgess. He plays Titus Andromedon, who just kind of wants to be fabulous or, or famous or something. Um, and he's... Uh, he, I think sort of famous adjacent, I guess. And he's always trying to land a gig. So we have um, a little bit of a tape. So you get that sense of that joke, joke per second ratio in this little clip. This is Titus Andromedon trying to land a gig in Hamilton. Here's his audition tape. My name is Titus Andromedon, and this is me auditioning for the role of rapping Alexander Hamilton. Now, I've not actually been able to get tickets to Hamilton, and no audition materials were made available to me, Shady. But um, I think I get it. <laughs> One day this is gonna be me Looking up from a sea of green Ten dollars, one dream Rap, 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 rap This is me rapping Rap, 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 rap This is me rapping I died in a duel, I think I lied Titus Andromedon 6'4, no agent I love the rapity rap, rap, rap 
<laughs> yeah. It's it's so interesting. I've been rewatching 30 Rock, you know, when this all began, and I finally hit season 5, season 6, which is where Titus appears as a minor character for the first time. And once he came on, I was like, "Oh, I really really want to watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt." And it made me realize just how similar uh, in style both shows are. All right, so if you like 30 Rock, you should definitely check out Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Let's take some calls. Nizreen is on line one. Hi, thanks for calling all of it. Thank you for this. This is so important in these days. Um, yes, my, I was, I, we were watching Better Things on FX, and then we got Hulu without commercials, so we binged um, Better Things from the first season, and it's so brilliant and so interesting, and the girl, and it's interesting how the daughters develop, but then I realized how much more sexual it is without, with Louis C.K.'s influence and how it changed after, you know, between the second and third season when he was no longer associated with the show. But I just want to give a shout out to Pamela Adlon and her show because it's really great in a lot of ways. It is really a terrific show. Thank you for for Mm -hmm. calling in. Yeah, I think Pam Adlon is one of those. I think she's a treasure. Yeah, and I, I think in a lot of ways the show is better uh, in the last two seasons, and it has grown in a really wonderful mm-hmm. way out of the shadow of the CK kind of uh, influence. My guest is Ben Yakis, culture editor at Gothamist. We're talking about things we can binge this weekend. If you want to get in on the conversation, tell us what you've been enjoying. 646-435-7280. So rectify. So this series, okay, a lot of people don't know it exists, I sad to say. Yeah. Explain what is rectify. This has been like one of my, the shows I've proselytized about a lot uh, to people over the last couple of years because nobody has heard of it. It was on the Sundance uh, Network, uh, which I couldn't even tell you exactly where that is on television. But I know it's there because I love this show. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a light show. It sort of has the trappings of a gothic murder mystery. And the first episode begins on the day that the main character, Daniel Holden, is released from prison after serving 19 years on death row, much of it in solitary confinement, for the murder of his high school girlfriend. Now, Daniel couldn't remember the events of that night, and he was basically bullied into confessing by police. Hmm. And he's let go because of new DNA evidence. But throughout the show, the question of his innocence or guilt is sort of hanging over because he can't remember what happened. He never really does remember. But the show is, um, it's much more than just a murder mystery. It it is incredibly contemplative and and very transfixing. And I think it really speaks a little bit to our present moment because it's about a man who is in solitary confinement coming out and experiencing the world uh, for the second time it feels like the first time and it's he's like an alien everything that he does he approaches with this strange quality uh because everything is just so wonderful to him he's been so isolated from other human beings it really is uh in some ways like an incredibly dark cousin to kimmy schmidt in that they both are escaping from situations where they were locked up for a long time i can see what's on your mind ben (laughs) clearly yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all going through something right now, and so it's reverberating in strange ways. All right, you can catch that on Netflix. Let's go to another call. Let's go to Catherine, 
who is calling us from the Upper West Side. Hi, Catherine. What are you watching? Good afternoon. Thank you. I love everything you've been uh, suggesting so far. I am watching Professor P, P-R-O-F, period. He is in Thomas. It's so well done that three different European countries have created it in literally as the same set, same script, but the only one worth watching is, I think, the progenitor, the Belgian. It is, yes, a police procedural. Professor T is a deeply on the spectrum, brilliant, delicious, wonderful professor of criminology at the local wonderful university filled with characters and in admin. His mother is amazing, and he, he consults with the local young, attractive uh, chiefs, you know, chiefs, detectives, and mm-hmm. their their bosses. The, the art direction and the flights of fancy, I've rarely seen something as creative because his hallucinations, and there are many, some of them are hilarious, um, they're amazing, but the art direction just around the hallucinations are spectacular. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm checking this out. I just Googled it, and uh, a lot of people agree with you about this show. Thank you, Professor T. I'm going to add that to my list. Let's talk to June on line one. Hi, June. What are you watching? Hi. um, Kim's Convenience on Netflix. It's a half an hour sitcom from Canada, and it is lovely. If you have any relatives who came over from anywhere Mm -hmm. dealing with their first-gen kids, you will love it. Kim's Convenience. Uh, can you give us the sort of the log line, the elevator pitch? Um, yep. It's a Korean family who own a, a corner convenience store, and it deals with that uh, two children who are American or Canadian, mm-hmm. and all their people who come into the shop who are a mix of ethnicities. And Thank it you. is very funny, and the storyline grows. It's now in season four. Uh, love. We can use some laughs. Thank you so much, June, for calling in. My guest is Ben Yakis, culture editor at Gothamist. So, Ben, you want to also recommend Normal People. This is something that is new. It's about to premiere on Hulu. Tell me about Normal yeah, People. This, com- this comes out next Wednesday, um, and it is the adaptation of Sally Rooney's uh, huge hit novel. It came out a couple of years ago. And it's about the shifting power dynamics and the class divide and the romance between uh, two characters uh, in, Brit- in uh, what's called Ireland. <laughs> and the, the main thing to know about this is that it's gorgeously shot, um, great acting, and it's an incredibly sexy show. Uh, there's a lot of sex scenes, but they're not gratuitous sex scenes. They are scenes that really reveal and are reflections of the emotions of the characters who really can't express themselves otherwise. And um, in a lot of ways, the show is about depression, and it's about how these people keep getting in their own way, because you're going to start watching and say, these two are great together, why aren't they together? Why can't they just figure this thing out? And like a lot of us, um, they have to go through a, a lot of life and experiences to be able to do that. But if you're looking for something a little more romantic, especially you know during this time when things are not super romantic out there, especially if you're alone, uh, this is a really, really lovely series to be able to get into. We have so much more that we could get to, but we're about to run <laughs> out of time. Um, yeah. Give me the log line on one of them, and then we'll save the rest for another time. 
Uh, well, another show that just returned today is Afterlife Season 2, which is the new Ricky Gervais show. Okay. And it's about a man, you know, struggling to go on and live after his wife's death. And like a lot of Ricky Gervais's humor, it's grounded in his own uh, observations about life and about atheism. And if you're a fan of his in particular, this is, I think, one of his better recent shows. Um, and it also stars... Uh, some of the people from Extras, which was, I think, one of his best shows. Afterlife Season 2. Ben Yak is culture editor from Gothamist. Thank you so much. Thank you. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.